Hey, this is Michael Rosso, Film Photography Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Today we have something a little bit different than our usual show. What show? A few weeks ago, Paul from Analog Wonderland, that's a UK online store that sells film and also sells FPP film, Paul called me and said, Hey, Mike, why don't you come on my new YouTube show? I'll interview you with some Q&A, you talk about some new FPP films, and I'm going to be joined on the show by Graham from Sunny 16 Podcast. What show? I said, this sounds great. Let's do it. We did it. What fun we had. And Paul was kind enough to let me use the file to make this presentation today to you. So this show... What show? ...is here on our regular podcast channel. But you can also see this on our YouTube channel, Film Photography Tube on YouTube. The audio is a little bit different than the usual audio because it is Skype audio. And then later on in the show, we'll end out with a great song from my friend Darren Ballard Riley. To the man in the middle, we have an FPP sandwich today. And Mike Rasso is here. Mike, welcome. Greetings, everybody. Thank you so much for interrupting. I mean, for us, this is like, you know, any work that we've done or not done is long past. We're just sat here with a beer. We, we've interrupted your working day here to basically force you to join us. Um, so thank you not so a, much. Not a problem. It's a, uh, it's a very nice break to take. <laughs> well, the first thing is we've got a load of questions that have come in, and I'm sure people in the comments will be jumping in as well, which is great. Um, but let's start with the one person who seemed embarrassed to write it, and they said, I feel like I should know what FPP is. Um, so just in case, I'm sure 95% of the people watching do know, but how would you summarize FPP, the project, the work you do, the, the, the products you sell? Uh, the film, it's called Film Photography Project. We're now 10 years on, and it started strictly as a podcast in 2009. And uh, quickly, uh, we gained listenership, and then we received lots of requests like, hey, can you start an FPP online store so I could buy film from you guys? So in 2011, we launched the online store. And then soon after, we launched our school donation program. Uh, and that is through the podcast, we ask people to send film cameras and film that they're not using mm -hmm. or if, that they find, you know, that they have no use for, send it to us. We prep it and then donate it to classrooms. And... Teachers who teach analog in their classrooms uh, have a very hard time finding cameras. Mm. I mean, and I'm talking a decade ago where cameras were relatively cheap. So uh, schools who do teach photography still more than ever need cameras because now in 2020, uh, film cameras are so expensive on eBay. Mm -hmm. So the three things FPP is, it's a resource, an online resource with blogs, videos, how-to it's our monthly podcast, and it's our give back program, which is um, sorting, organizing, and working with schools to get them the gear they need at no cost. No, and that's that's brilliant. So I think for us, I think we see the the podcast. Obviously, listen to the podcast, and we've seen the work store, and we know we work on on some films that we bring across. But I think the school donation program is something that doesn't translate internationally as much, but is 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 brilliant. Not only for recycling those things, but also, you know, film photographers of the future. Yes, absolutely. And hey, um, thank you for, for having me on, because when I spoke to you on the phone, you said, oh, we, we want to have someone fun on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they couldn't make it. So uh... <laughs> I said, really? Well, nice to be, per be perceived as fun. No, no, no. Absolutely fun. And, and you know, I think a lot of us... Uh, probably have a competition in the comments of who started at which episode of FBP. And I can almost guarantee that somebody will be there from number one, or at least have worked the way backwards. Well, we, we, as anyone who listens to the podcast will, will see it's very lighthearted. Uh, and perhaps I forget, or people don't know how unfun and how serious I actually am. <laughs> there we go. 
<laughs> but uh, we have a blast with the with the on, with the online show, as people who listen know. So. No, and I think the thing that, that makes it stand out, at least for me, is the um, I think the production. I mean, I know your background a little bit. It's mentioned the production values, the sound effects, that kind of stuff. So I put the call out. Q and A's for Mike Rasso. Maybe a quarter of them or a third of them were about Sydney film. So I think you said to me, I think you phoned me a year and a bit ago and said, do you sell some Sydney film? I said, no, not yet. And you said, do it. It's coming. It's exciting. It's really fun. Get involved. And I did. Um, so thank you for that. <laughs> and, and I can see it now. People, people are getting excited. So talk to us through what do people, what do people, what should people know about shooting Cine film versus film? Well, the 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 uh, first go to for cine film in the in 2020 and in the last you know forever has been Super 8. Your your classic Super 8 camera introduced in 1965. It essentially took the place of regular eight millimeter. I mean, uh, it it's a cartridge system developed by Code. And because I know that this has confused me in the past, regular eight, double eight, super eight, discuss. Oh, okay. Well, super eight is a cartridge format. So uh, for folks watching, Kodak is the king of cartridge. 126 cartridge, 110 cartridge, super eight cartridge, uh, a film format that quite frankly, I, I didn't even know was still around. Uh, is is regular eight millimeters. So when you say regular eight to me, people think of their grandparents. In my case, I think of my dad, you know, who shot regular eight up until a certain point. And then, you know, their photo dealer would kind of convince them, give them the pitch to, to get new gear. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like any other format, right? VHS to DVD to Blu-ray. 35 mil to APS. Yep. <laughs> yes, I guess. So uh, regular eight is very different than super eight. Regular eight, um, the cameras are much smaller. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing about it is uh, the cameras all take real lenses. So um, in the case of the lenses, uh, they're D-mount lenses. So the great thing about the format is it's a manual format for the most part. So you have real lenses with real f-stops and a set shutter speed. So it's sort of a wonderful format to to learn on because just like you know uh, a 35 millimeter SLR camera that has no light meter, you have to you're forced to learn how to use the format. Mm. You, you are forced to figure out what your f-stop is, uh, what your, you know, you have a set shutter speed, uh, and the film does not come in a cartridge. The film comes on a little roll, it is a roll of regular eight film. And it's been kind of difficult to explain because, I mean, Super 8 is in a cartridge and the film is eight millimeter. It's eight millimeter film in a cartridge. This is <clears throat> 16 millimeter. So it's 16 millimeter film. And the reason it's called double eight is because uh, you shoot both sides of it. It's the most, it's really the most amazing thing. So in your camera, and here's the classic insides of a camera. Can you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. perfect. So your camera roll would go here and you would shoot 25 feet of it and then when you're done shooting it, you would take the take-up spool that was now filled up with film, flip it over, and now shoot the second side. So when you say the sides, it's not the reverse. It's like two strips of eight next to each other. So you shoot down one side, up the other. Correct. And, and, and two strips of eight next to each other is 16 millimeter. Got it. So, yeah. It is 16 millimeter film, but it's not. Because, I mean, uh, <laughs> a common question is, can I just use 16 millimeter film? And you cannot because the film is perforated differently. So it's sort of the most uncomplicated format, but at the same time complicated if you don't 
if you just look at it, you're like, I don't understand. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, we had this chat in January where I was selling the damn things and, and it was like, why is there 16 mil double perf and regular rate that is 16 mil and has doubly perf rated? And you're like, they and are every, so different. <laughs> can you read that? Yeah, yeah. So every this is the spool that comes with the camera and there's a warning on it that says, film when on this spool is only half exposed. So when you're done shooting side one, your camera spool that stays in your camera is filled, which means you need to take it, flip it, shoot the other side. So now your original roll of film is filled up again and your camera spool stays in your camera empty. I know, I know, this seems, you know, oh my God, this is so complicated. Can I just pop in a cartridge of Super 8? Yes, you can. That's called Super 8. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. But this, this is such a different, it's such a different animal. And there are so many amazing cameras. And majority of them, like this Yashica, They wind up <clears throat> so you don't need any batteries. <laughs> and almost all of the cameras you buy on eBay or at a, at a thrift sale, you know, if it, was, if it was made in 1939, it's still going to work. Okay. So it's, it's, it's really a mind-blowing format. And what happens is, because people may say, well, why is it called regular eight? So... Traditionally, back in the day when it was popular, all film was positive film for projection. Mm -hmm. So when the 16 millimeter perf for eight was finished being developed, the lab would slit it down the middle, splice two pieces together so that you wind up with 50 feet of eight millimeter film. Are you following that? Yeah, yeah. Got it. Yep. <laughs> These days, because the FPP sells positive, well, we just started selling positive. We have positive black and white, and now we have positive ectochrome. So that film that is for a projector gets slit and then put on a reel. But if a film is a negative film that's never going to be projected, it stays in its 16 millimeter configuration for scanning. Got it. Got it. Am I I hope I'm not like no 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 just tune out <laughs> no 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 I think because that if I'd heard that explanation in November it would have saved me quite a lot of time sat there trying to put things on the website and understand um, just in that 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 sort of point no 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 that's super clear so then um the 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 final bit then so 16 mil comes in double perf and single perf what's the difference which one was earliest okay. all right so now we're talking about 16 millimeter format. Mm -hmm. This is not regular eight. Totally. It will not in these cameras. So 16 millimeter film is talking about like here is a 1949 Keystone. Mm. It's same thing. It's a wind up 16 millimeter camera. You can buy them on eBay. They work great. And depending on what model you have, most of these need double perforated 16 millimeter film, meaning it's perfed on both sides. Yep. Modern films sold today are single perfed because Hollywood started shooting super 16. So it all has to do with the ratio of, of the gate yep. in your camera. So if you have an old camera that has um, that only takes double perf, you have to get double perf film. And as you may know, it's almost impossible to find. Yeah, no, no. double perf. It's an old timey format, and no one cares. It's not. It doesn't get any love. Yeah, but we love it. No, no, no. It's it's brilliant, and it's good to as always. It's good to have the options, and it's good that those cameras can still can still exist. Um, okay, that is an incredible run-through of, I know what, it's quite a complex topic, and we have several people in the comments, I noticed, 
Um, let's have a look. So Cherilee saying, now FPP has me wanting to dabble into regular rate. <laughs> yes. There we go. Cherilee's, I think, a student uh, trying to get through the studies and we're giving more distractions, which is fantastic. Um, somebody called Oko Maestro said, just got some regular rate back from the FPP and the scans are awesome. So, um, oh, that's great. That's brilliant. Okay, then we'll move on probably from movie film, unless anyone has any uh, really urgent questions that they want to jump in on. The a couple of people have been saying asking about the chemicals. Um, so FPP has started with the 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 FPP. I think it's black and white and um, the fix. They've said there's no stop though. Is that just because you recommend loads of water, or you think uh, there's nothing more we can do with stop? Uh, the thing is, n none of us at the FPP, anyone, any of us on the podcast, none of us use a stop bath. Huh, okay. We all use water stop. So, you know, I understand people have different, their own, their own preferences. So we carry the Kodak stop bath for those who want it. Yeah, but none of you uh, use it. No, it's, 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 it's not needed. So here, here's what I do. I'm developing my film at home. Done. I pour my developer back in. I immediately uh, do a water rinse three times. Mm. And that's it. Not onto the fix. There we go. I mean, don't get me started about Vision 3 Remjet. Yeah. <laughs> there are people out there selling... Ramjet remover. Yeah, and what's thinking? <laughs> you know, hang, hang on a second. I'm uh, sure I've got uh, some in here somewhere. <laughs> like, like you're selling like a product you don't need. You just use your thumb. But that's a whole other topic. <laughs> How do you process it? Where do you process it? So Kodak Vision 3 film, it is. It's one of the most spectacular color films on the planet because it's designed for motion pictures. So the film comes in... I mean, here's your, here's your cartridge and here's the can. So the film is for Hollywood. The film's for Hollywood. Quentin Tarantino, there's this great shot of him sitting behind the 65mm Panavision camera. J.J. Abrams. Abrams. All these guys Martin have... Has, Martin Scorsese. The, all these guys have rallied around Eastman Kodak to make sure that motion picture film is still important. The film is so good. The colors are so good. You have... 50 ISO daylight, you have 250 ISO daylight, you have 500 tungsten, and this film is so good, the latitude is so wide. For example, if you're shooting 500, you could shoot it at 400, you could shoot it at 500, you could shoot it at 800, you could shoot it at 1000 ISO. It's just such a wonderful film, but it's designed for motion picture. Here at the Film Photography Project, one of our projects is, this is not it, by the way, this is Kodak Gold. One of our projects is to take the film off of these large cores and put it into cartridges so that you, me, everyone can shoot this film in your still camera. What about me, boss? <laughs> so the thing with this film is it's not standard C41 processing. It's ECN-2. It's a whole different processing. It can be processed C41, but it cannot be processed by any commercial lab because the motion picture film has a black carbon base on the back called a remjet that mm, if you process it in a processing machine, I don't want to even think or I wouldn't want to be there when that processor runs it through because all the black carbon will basically melt off the film and destroy that machine. <laughs> so you cannot get this processed standard C41. So there lies the dilemma. Beautiful film, wonderful film to shoot in your still camera, but where can I get it processed? That's why I'm here. If you're going to send your film out, there are four labs that we've identified in the U.S., where you can send your Kodak Vision 3 film for processing. And they are 
The Boutique Film Lab, they're in Nashville, Tennessee. They will process Kodak Vision film. The Camera Shop in St. Cloud, Minnesota, they will process Kodak Vision. And Old School Film Lab, they will process Kodak Vision. So there's really no reason not to shoot this film. But what about processing it yourself? If you're processing your own black and white film at home and or you're processing your own color film at home with our FPP C41 processing kit, you can also process this film. So all you do is follow the rules of standard C41, which is you do your wash, you pour in your developer for the three or four minutes it says in the instructions, you pour in your Blix, that's the next portion, and then your processing is finished. At that point, you take your film out of the out of your uh, tank and you would do a final wash. So the last step to processed Kodak Vision 3 film at home is to simply rub off this black carbon base. And this is on the back side of the film. It's not on the emulsion side. It's on the, the base side of the film. You simply, with your thumb, you simply rub off this black carbon in a bucket of hot water Final step. It's so easy. There's no reason not to process it yourself. And that's really it. I just wanted to do a quick video to let you folks know that this film exists. The Film Photography Project, we have it in our online store. It's really worth shooting. It gives you brilliant, realistic colors in your still photography. And I encourage you to try it out. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> In here somewhere. I see videos. I've like, definitely got you know, some. They are using the Remjet remover. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> this Remjet remover. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't used any of it. <laughs> there we go. I made I made a real mess of the first roll I developed of um, Vision Three film. I made a real pig's ass of it. But they can't be developed by any lab because they have a black Remjet on them. It's a it's a an extra layer that uh, laboratories uh, that handle uh, still photography film can't deal with. So it's, 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 I mean, we don't heavily promote those films because I'm always fearful that some smart Alec is going to shoot one of these peel our label off, you know, it's like, Oh, it says Kodak gold underneath. Because all of our hand-rolled films are recycled uh, materials. And just send it to their lab. Mm -hmm. We send out a sheet that begs people, please, your lab will never speak to you ever again if you send this film to them. Oh, we have people. I've had people uh, ping me who have, I mean, generally hand-rolled themselves. I think Hip Shoot Film did it, um, has definitely done it to a lab. Yeah, where... misunderstandings (laughs) misunderstandings <laughs> and then Ben's a bad person changing but, but, no, no. but no stop bath we don't use it yeah definitely but don't let me don't let me stop someone else from using it if that's the way you learn then go for it but in your view three three rinses job done okay let's um let's go to a big question so someone sent in on instagram they said um what in mike's view is the future of film in 5, 10, 15 years. Things will change. Suppliers will come and go. Different film stocks will come. New ones will be introduced. I, I see it very plainly consistent, meaning it's a craft that people start shooting and they love it so much, it becomes part of their life. And I've been doing film photography podcasts long enough to see listeners from the beginning drop off for a few years, then come back and then not believe that a, we're still there. (laughs) Be so excited that the movement is still going on. So I think in the last few years, there's definitely been a surge uh, of interest in film photography, certainly more than it was, was 10 years ago. Uh, But I think I see it as being fairly consistent. Uh, if, um, if everyone's always worried about the major, the Ilford, the Kodak, and I always say, just 
don't you know you see threads about oh this film's being discontinued it's like don't worry about it there's always going to be a film stock and if a major company can't make it a smaller company will uh, paul we, we we've been talking about um sort of mike's predictive ability we've got a great little clip haven't we of mike's ability to predict future trends from episode number one which i i found earlier which i really like okay well um that was a really good answer and i, I do feel a bit we're gonna immediately ignore it in order to make it a, a, a deep joke but yes i think that polaroid <laughs> is going to make a huge comeback with this new digital print camera <laughs> <laughs> so i think we can definitely rely on mike's judgment i think <laughs> Digital print I, didn't quite make that massive, but <laughs> wait a minute. What about the Instax SQ camera that shot digital, but also printed a Instax picture? True. And also, you can't say that in a in a what in a fortnight that Impossible, which had become Polar Originals, reclaims Polaroid. Right. It's not quite the same, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think it goes back to what you were saying there, and what was lovely to hear. Um, and I think you're right. A lot of people, or my, my experience in the last, I mean, I've been shooting film for for, for a long time, but, but being involved in Analog Wonderland and in the community more in the last few years, you see people come in, get excited, oh my God, mind blown, all the options that they can shoot, the cameras that are still available and cheaper uh, with inflation, even than, than when they were new. Um, and then they go to the next phase, which is, as you say, worried that this is a trend, that this is propped up by celebrities shooting contacts, that this no. something will come and go. And it's reassuring to hear you take a wider view. I mean, FPP is over 10 years old, right? The, the podcast. Yeah. Um, which in fairness, I didn't realize podcasts were 10 years old. So that is truly amazing. And you, you can see, no, these things come and go. You see these waves here, there, these trends, but film remains. Yes. When I see anything new, anything regarding a trend or, you know, there's always a burst. Even when we get a new listener, you know, there'll be a burst of emails. I'll, that person, I will know who that person is because I get so many emails. But then that, every burst has to like level out, mm -hmm. you know. So I, I don't worry, just, I think everyone should be concerned about, you know, their photography, what they're doing with it. Don't worry so much about what other people are doing. Just do it for yourself. And whatever you do, you just be very consistent with it. I received an Instagram message from someone who said, hey, I'm, I'm shooting. I want to get my, my work out there. I want to do gallery shows. What do you suggest? And I, I suggested that to stick with it, to be consistent, whatever you do, be consistent and don't give up because anything i mean look at fpp which started 10 years ago it took a good five years for anyone to even acknowledge or take us uh, i guess seriously because when you first launched something you know i was accused of being a spammer you know because at the time it was Flickr groups you know and i would try to get the word out about fpp and no one thought that it would last so i would say just be true to what you want to do and be true to your art no, I think that's brilliant, and, and yeah, it's true for projects, for businesses. Things don't, things happen on an, an annual three, four, five-year timescale, not on, not on shorter. And something like creating your own uh, photographic vision or being able to deliver consistently within an aesthetic, like that's not going to be something that happens in in, in months. You have you have to have patience. Whether you're launching a film photography business to shoot weddings or if you want to get your work out in gallery shows, you, you have to have the patience to definitely put in a few years uh, and be in it for the right reason. You know, it, it, it's, 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 see if it's for you. And if it is, then I'm convinced that it'll work. It'll work. <laughs> that is lovely. Um, people are saying very nice things in the comments. Ben Reynolds um, says, you're my hero, Mike, thank you. John Whitmore, oh. who is, who is, you know, we've talked about this, one of the guys who's made the jump into film and trying to create a business of it. Um, it sort of made the jump, I think, before myself, before Duncan from Silverpan, but we were talking about this at Christmas with a meetup, um, and he's just typed in saying very wise words, don't give up. 
Um, okay, that's that's wonderful. Thank you for that perspective, and I think it is lovely to hear that. That one, one quick ad, though. Hmm. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen over the years people say, "My family wants me to shoot blah blah blah. Should I charge them?" <laughs> and your answer is, "Don't get involved with the family." <laughs> <laughs> now that is the wisest words out of everything. Especially come from Jersey, do not get involved with the family. No, no. That's, that's a definite conversation where you are. <laughs> this is very true. Um, okay, I'm sure a lot of people in the comments uh, and people watching will will find that resonates. And especially at the moment with a lot of uncertainty, it is it's lovely to hear somebody have a perspective that 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 is longer than the past few weeks and months have been. And um, let's talk a little bit about some of the. Um, the crazy films, the more interesting films that, that you guys do, because this is where, you know, our professional relationship comes from in that, that we ship across and sell a lot of the films that um, are unique to you and you find, <laughs> you you dig up, you unearth. I mean, the Fukatsi one, I mean, I remember writing the blog post when we launched that and I was like, this can't even be true. There's this magical guy who appeared, disappeared, no one heard anything about it, and then his films have reappeared. But um, there's a few that we, that we've broad across we'll talk about but there's one that somebody um has asked a few questions from on facebook um and now oh, there we go yes and they're asking again a color infrared film do you have any top yeah. tips for shooting color infrared because i think the questions were very technical about um the light or the filters is there anything you have on a top line view of how to shoot color infrared uh yes absolutely absolutely and i'll try to keep it as simple as possible also i would like to say right now color infrared is not available i'm doing some research i'm going to try to do my best to see if i can find it or have it made but as of right now 2020 it's dried up so whatever uh film is out there that's it for now um the key things for color infrared are are uh, very simple uh you shoot in blazing sunlight mm -hmm. uh shoot uh greens uh, uh landscapes anything with uh with uh, uh trees uh, if you shoot a concrete jungle, uh, you're going to be very disappointed because the concrete is going to be exposed as kind of a grayish blue. There's nothing excited, exciting about it. It's not going to turn that vibrant mm. uh, red that you get with green leaves. So shoot in blazing sunlight. Um, I always say for color infrared, just simply use the uh, prescribed yellow filter. Because I received many comments, oh, can I use a red filter? Mm. Can I use an orange filter? And I, I always say the same thing. You can use any filter you want, but just be prepared for different results. So we, we say, hey, use the yellow filter, and then your pictures will look like this. Mm -hmm. There's really no answer of, can I use this? Can I use this? Can I use that? Yes, you can, but I can't guarantee that your results are going to look like our examples. Uh, also, there's something called, I forget what it's called. It's a, it's a filter for black and white infrared film. Um, it has a number name to it. Mm. It's a dense filter. It's not for color infrared film. Okay. So just, I think the point as well about um, shoot with the, the yellow filter and then experiment. I mean, we did um, competition with Kodak uh, about pushing and pulling film. And it's sort of the, the same thing. Like, shoot a film at box speed, get to know it, get to know the results, but then when you can do that, play around and see where you like. Um, but if you don't have that baseline understanding, getting where it comes from is always going to be tough. Well, also, um, if, you're, if you have a, a, an SLR camera, simply put your filter over your lens, and then you could meter through the camera and not worry about anything. Just set your ISO to 400, shoot, and there's really nothing, there's no you know, filter factor yeah. of how many, how many f-stops do you have to adjust for by putting the filter on your camera? Well, in a manual camera using a handheld light meter, you have to. But if you're just putting the filter over the lens, you just shoot through, have your, your camera meter it, uh, and there you go. And you mentioned something, different topic, of course, but my hashtag for 2020 is hashtag shoot box speed. <laughs> Push, pull, push, pull. Can I pull it? Can I push it? Can I push this? Can I push this to 6,400 ISO? Like anything else, for me, 
I say, do whatever makes you happy. But for <laughs> me, because people ask me, can I shoot this at ISO 6000? And then what are the development times for it? So my hashtag is shoot box speed. So I'm the wrong person to ask. Well, we'll, we'll come to that. I mean, Matt Marash, by the way, has typed in saying you're thinking R72. Thank you, Matt. R72. Also, Mel spotted it as well. Um, ben Reynolds also. At, uh, has Stroop all... or Zill, have they had fresh mouth lately? <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing on box speed, very quickly, because I've been in this argument with Kodak for six months now. What is the <laughs> box speed of P3200? Uh, I believe it's 800. No! <laughs> not you too, Mike. Not you too. That's, the that's speed Kodak's on the box point. is 3200. It's on the box! That's, that's oh. what Kodak say. They're like, it's box speed of 800. We're like, no one thinks that because it's it says 3200 on the box. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, <laughs> so the latitude is so broad that their, their 3200 film, even though... You probably get a, a cleaner image shooting at 800 ISO. It's a it's it's a non. You drop in your camera, shoot it at 3200, send it to the lab. Don't worry about it. Yeah. it I if, think that's pretty much where we came to. <laughs> but it's a, it's now a point of philosophy. Are you in the 800 or 3200 like camp? <laughs> a lot of people assume I know a lot. <laughs> Based on the decade of broadcasting. Right. I always say, I know what I know of what I do, nothing else. So if I haven't shot a specific film, I don't really know anything. So development times are really not my thing. It's more Matt Mirage. It's more Leslie Lazenby. I always send people to the massive development chart yeah. online. And if you shot TMAX 3200 at 3200, that development time will be a little different than if you shot it at 800. So, um, no, I actually, I actually met in a pub over December time, John, the guy behind Massive Dev Chart. I've got a, an audio file somewhere actually where, um, where we had a chat. Um, but yeah, no, that resource is just unbelievable for any question like that. Also, uh, a lot of people ask me questions and I find myself, and I try not to, because people ask me a question via email or through Instagram and they expect me to have the answer. So. Here I am. I find myself doing the research for people, getting the answer to their question that they could find out themselves by doing exactly what I'm doing because I don't know the answer. So my advice to people sincerely, and I mean this all in all sincerity, is, you know, just do some research before you throw it on the thread. Just, you know, I'm a little old fashioned. I use a desktop computer. I use Google. Just ask your question to Google and you'll be amazed at the various information that exists. Mm -hmm. Don't always feel you have to like dump on a thread like, you know, hey, uh, how do I, how do I, I can't, what's it, Graham, what's a, a ridiculous question that's asked time and time on a thread? Oh God, that that uh, you know, um, what what's the difference between f-stop and aperture? I mean, some of the stuff is so um, yeah. It's funny you said actually, Mike, because uh, listening back to some of your early shows and you were talking about because you got big into Flickr. Flickr was really sort of a, a gateway drug for you getting involved with all this stuff. And um, one of the things that you sort of said is that what you loved about Flickr and and the, the FPP group on Flickr was that. Even though people are asking sometimes questions which, with one second's worth of looking for it, they can find the answer. The FPP has always had a community which will take the time to just go, okay, here's what apertures are and f-stops are. Even though you could go, nobody's ever going, just Google it. It's um, the FPP's kind of been one of the best communities for that going. Uh, it, it comes across as so rude when you tell someone, <laughs> Google it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why actually massive dev and there's an example this week where someone pinged me a very technical developing question and again I've, I've done developing i i really enjoy it but i'm not an expert i don't know it in the same way that i know films um and it was and, and again it was nice because i could say 
I can also tell from the question that they didn't know about the massive dev chart. So I could just say, look, this is the answer from here. By the way, this is going to be useful for anything like this. And they were so grateful because knowing where to find the right answer, yes, Google will help with some stuff, but the person or the website or the app, that's what right. makes the difference. Right. I, I think um, um, all of the meetups that we've had over the years, they've always been so wonderful because, you know, when we do a meetup and we're doing a large format, four by five or eight by 10 demonstration. I mean, that was me and, and Matt Mirage knows when I first got into four by five, just the coordination of loading your film into a holder, putting it in the back of your camera, uh, having to cock the shutter to do your focus, then making sure the shutter's not open when you load your film. Like all these little idiosyncrasies of shooting something like large format film, it seems impossible, but it's like anything else you do. Once you do it, even just a few times, practice, I know these crazy expressions, practice really does make perfect. And none, nothing in film photography is, is outside of your reach because as my new passion is cinematography with these little eight millimeter cameras, the, the, the story with this camera is the same exact story as with your Pentax K1000. It's all the exact same information. What is the shutter speed? What f-stop are you going to set? What is the sensitivity of the film? What is the ISO? And then once you have that information and know how to put that information into a light meter to figure out how to expose your film, you'll find no matter what you're shooting, 35 millimeter, uh, 120 film, four by five film, movie film. Once you start doing it regularly, if you want to jump to a different format, it's so much easier mm. because you have the basics under your belt. It's, it's, um, what I, I mean, the thing with film photography is it's such a broad hobby, and there is a case of you kind of, you don't know stuff until you know stuff. It, it's interesting to me that, again, I was listening back to episode number one today, and on episode number one, you were talking about red scale. Somebody had written into you about red scaling film, and you you'd never heard of that before. It was a no. completely alien concept. And like, and now you have a red scale film for sale. It's not not only do you know what it is, but I, you're selling red scale. <laughs> I've told I've told John Fideli a dozen times what red scale is. Yet if you call him <laughs> right now, he will not have a clue. <laughs> That's a lovely segue. So um, go on then, Mike. So talk us through the most recent film. So I know we've got some of them just listed in Analog Wonderland. Um, Red Scale is one of them. Did you want to talk a little bit about Red Scale or did you want to focus on the... Um, on the Explain the... it again to John Fidelli. Go on, explain it again. Explain Red Scale. Well, Red Scale is perhaps the easiest, absolute easiest film to shoot. Well, this is a bad example, but maybe not. Here is a role of uh, classic Seattle Filmworks film. You move it slightly more central, Mike. Sorry, you, we're very narrow. There we go. This is worthy of its own topic, the story of Seattle Filmworks. Google it. But anyhow. This is <laughs> Email a, Mike about it. Yeah. So basically, Red Scale is taking a role of either Kodak Gold or uh, Kodak uh, Max 400. Uh, it applies to color film. It does not apply to, to, to black and white film. So basically what you're doing is you're taking your film, and when you shoot film – you're shooting on the dull emulsion side. So the emulsion is your is the part of your film that's light sensitive. Mm -hmm. The shiny side is the base. So if you were to take your film and flip it in the cartridge, like literally take the film out, cut it, and then flip it over, put it back in the cartridge, then load your camera, you would be shooting through the shiny base of the film, which you're not supposed to do. And what it does is it will tint your color photography red or orange, hence the name Red Scale. And actually, I've got one, one here, the, the um, FPP-1. And it is interesting because even though you sort of know it, as soon as you look at it, you just it just seems wrong in your head when you look at yeah, it, this side and this is the, that's the part. It just looks very different. Um, but yeah, it is that simple. So you, you could do this yourself by going into a dark room. When I say dark room, I mean it could be a bathroom, but it has to be completely black. 
pulling all the film out and then flipping it, taping it, and then putting it back in the cartridge. Uh, so if you're shooting a roll of Kodak Max 400, if you're going to shoot at red scale, because you're shooting through the base, you have to lower your ISO. Is it is it a couple of stops? Yeah, I would say uh, if it's four, if if it's 400 speed, you would shoot it 50 ISO 50 100. It varies. Uh, the the ISO uh, like Lomography for the longest time had a film that I think it was called Red Scale. I think it was called like 50 to 100. Like you could choose your own. 50 to 200. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The nice thing is that the, if you like the different exposure levels will give you different effects, won't they? So if you if yeah. you get a lot of light through it, you'll get a different effect. So if you don't give it that much light, so you get darker reds and darker oranges. It's so you can kind of play with what you want from it. It's fun, red scale. You can get a lot of creativity in with that. Yeah, I mean, shooting on the beach or shooting, you know, uh, uh, out with friends, it it really gives a very a very unique look, red scale. The other two ones that a lot of people, I mean, let's start with, let's start with super positive because I've had people commenting in the questions asking about that. Um, so I'll just read out what it says on the front. Develop in standard black and white, ISO 0.8 black and white slide film. This is a super unique film. This is not a film to pop in your camera and shoot your uh, right. Uncle, Louis, Uncle Louis's birthday party with. It's going to produce a really high contrast image. Mm -hmm. And when you develop it normal, yes, it will produce a positive. I think some people are going to be shocked by the, the high contrastness of the images they get. Now, I personally, I tend to, to tame that high contrastness by developing it in Caffeinol, mm -hmm. D96. Okay. And then when I do the scan, I also tend to adjust the, uh, the contrast levels. I'm not big on super high contrast films personally, yep. but it really, it's a very unique special film that's gonna give a very different look. So someone, a couple of people have pinged in with some specifics. So Dale Willits asked, is it the same as Kodak 2468, but with sprockets? No, that's different. Because that's that's not slide, is it? Uh, that I think may also produce a, a positive image. Ah, okay, but it is slightly different. Okay, and then the other one that's come in saying, Mike, I'd like to try super positive but extreme long exposures with a big stopper. It's the first person who's looked at a 0.8 and said, I need I need less light. And um, could you give any advice on reciprocity failure? <laughs> 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 I was going to say that the film was intended for use in, uh, I believe, uh, to make fi uh, to make uh, finger fingerprints. Yeah, fingerprint study. Yeah, I, I read that in when we were putting on this. Well, just this is a scientific film mm -hmm. being used very unscientifically by people in their thirty-five millimeter cameras. Well, which makes sense for the contrast, right? Because when you're doing fingerprints, you you want it to be binary. You know, there's contact or there's not contact. You don't want oh, there's it's sort of in, in contact with the film. I mean, the the film itself is is it's it's practically clear. Like you could oh. see my face through it. So, you know, to to look at the film, it's amazing, actually. Well, Leslie's just pinged in saying super positive is freaking magic. <laughs> okay. He would know. Well, if Leslie's going to say it, okay then. And then, um, so blue sensitive. So we 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 we're shot up to. Well, I mean, it's a high speed film basically. It's ISO six uh, <laughs> after that one. So you you got to really really make sure you're on it. Um, what's so funky about blue sensitive? Well, uh, the fun part is that the actual film <laughs> is lavender. Hang on, if you hold that hold that up again, one sec. I'm just gonna. That, see that more obvious get rid of that. there we go yeah so that's a blue backing yeah yeah so right. the film is truly blue but it's called blue because it's uh blue sensitive meaning it sees that spectrum of light um it's meant to be shot outdoors where there's lots of blue light mm -hmm. um and it produces a very fine grain image uh and once again this is another um scientific film it's, it was never designed to be shot in a camera 
But it produces very, very pleasing uh, images. And I love the um, the sample photos, like the portraits that were coming back on that one. And and what's brand new over here at FPP, and I know it has not made its way uh, over the ocean to Analog Wonderland yet, but the, the D96 developer, uh, it's a mellower developer, and it works very well with all of these strange films. Just write that on my order pad. One second. <laughs> a mellow developer. Is that in, as in terms of flavor or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it goes really well with a nice spicy fixer. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I'm not going to pretend to be the expert because the, the, the first thing I do is get on the horn with Leslie Lazenby. Yeah, you know, so we're thinking I get this D96 in here. You know, can you do some tests? Mm hmm. So both Leslie, uh, Matt Mirage, uh, and Mark O'Brien have done uh, the actual testing, uh, which is great, which is, is why the FPP, it, you know, I know I'm part of it, but it is so wonderful to be part of because um, the group, the podcast group, they are wonderful at kind of helping out to figure out how to make the films we offer work so well. And that I'm very proud of. So if we're going to introduce a new film, we'd like to have some great tips of how to develop it. And, and I think that's when we first started working together, that's what made me so excited because there's a lot of people on, on eBay, on Amazon, um, or, or in workshops who, who are getting hold of esoteric films and, and creating things. And that's fine. And that's great. But in terms of them being able to sell something, and again, these are premium films, right? Um, so for us, it's between 12 and 13 pounds, I think. Like, if someone's going to spend that much money, it can't just be for the novelty of having a crazy ISO. You need to know that what you can do is create good results. Um, yeah. and, and, well, and I think that's what's impressive. Are you, are you able to divulge your sources for this, or is this a top-secret uh, government bunker? Um... Well, in the last six months, everything has er in the last six months, everything has become much more top-secret, and I will tell you why. Very simply put, there are so many, uh, what's a good word? There are so many irons in the fire right now. Okay. Seriously. That I cannot even remember <laughs> what sourced how, what, and why. So it's not top secret by design. It's top secret by lack of, of remembering. I know. I Look remember out. years ago. I don't know if it still applies these days, but I remember years ago, Lomography used to get a lot of heat because they're Lomo black and white 400 or the Lomo black and white 100 or their color, they got a lot of heat because everyone, there's always that, I will say, always that one, two persons on a public forum that demands to know what factory this film was coded at. And it's when we had the color infrared, it was endless, endless. Like, where did you get it? Like, almost like they were demands. Yeah, or even they were angry that you did. Yes, anger. And the thing is, we do such intense testing of all of our films that it doesn't... The, the, the thing is, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter no. where they come from. And the smart people, the smart people who've been in film a long time know that there's five factories in the whole world. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but what we're doing is we're sourcing films that are not intended to use in a motion picture camera or a still photography camera. And we're making it, we're making something else out of something that was designed for a scientific or military operation. Yeah. And, so, and, that, and that, that again, I go back to, I think that's the real difference is that you, the, the time and money investment from you and the whole gang of you're not just re-rolling it, you are also branding. And again, that's something that, that always, again, some people get very upset about finding out that, that things that are the same brand are the same base emulsion or made in the same factory. I mean, I remember when, um, I don't know whether you guys had it in the US, the FOMA vintage packaging. Do you guys get this in the one? Oh yeah, absolutely. And, um, yes. and, and they sent this to me and it was, it was like a pound more for the same film. And I first looked at that and said, this is crazy. Like, you've added 20% onto the price for the same film. And you're saying it's the same film, but it's a pretty box. Mm -hmm. That seems crazy to me. So we got a very small amount in. I didn't really market it. I didn't write lots of email, nothing. 
and it sold out within in three days. Well, now you discovered that people <laughs> want a pretty box. People coming from man, coming from the man who introduced a film called Dracula in October. <laughs> so, what was the? Have you got another monster lined up? Have you got an Easter bunny for the weekend? Looks very good for the werewolf. <laughs> werewolf, nice. Okay then, I, I like silver content. I am gonna have to wrap up. We have one big question left. Before I go into that big question, that's gonna be very standalone. Is there anything else that you wanted to say, Mike, or anything else that that you thought people would want to know about, um, or are you feeling pretty? Uh, no, just really, just that I'm as as, as excited as ever uh, about film and film photography, and I'm still discovering and learning new things, which would seem almost impossible, right? Well, Mike knows it all. Well, no, I, I, I never shot with these little eight millimeter cine cameras before, before last year. So um, uh, I'm very excited to be bringing back the regular eight format. Uh, we're now on the threshold of bringing back Minolta 16 film. Mm -hmm. uh, That's the, and, the little spy film. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And so anything we could do to help to kind of put a, a format back into circulation, uh, top of my list, of course, is 126 cartridge format. I have been having a hard time getting the ear of existing companies. It's like no one cares. <laughs> I can tell you that Neil Piper in the comments has been banging on about it to me over Facebook in the last 24 hours. When can Mike get one two six? So one person cares. I mean, I don't think he runs a factory, sadly, not yet. But it's a. I have, listen. Whoever has the equipment, it's a simple operation. The film's thirty five millimeter in width, mm -hmm. just a different perfing. Let's get it going, guys. You know, of course, people think of lamography, but when I saw lamography in New York at the uh, at the PDN Photo Expo, and by the way, I love all those people. Mm -hmm always get hugs from me i it was it was kind of 126 format is falling on deaf ears it probably has to do with the age for me I, as a kid 126 wasn't active format and for newer people 126 doesn't mean as much they don't understand how amazingly awesome it is <laughs> it's amazingly awesome and the tough thing is, if, if those cameras aren't in action today, it's hard for people to discover that firsthand now, right? There are millions and millions of cameras on eBay right now that cost $5. Well, this is why the camera hack thing, and again, it was, it was, I think it was a, um, an introduction from you, like the, the 126 adapters, again, flew, because even though it's, a, it's not as good as if someone was making it in a factory by themselves, but it still gets these cameras working, and everyone's love for these cameras... The one, the one, two, six adapters fly out the door every day here at the FPP, even though it's basically used in a dozen cameras. It doesn't work what? in every one twenty six camera. One two six, it's kind of basically it's crap like APS, but it's cool because it's old now. I think that's where we can be with APS. Right. With On that right? note, we'll ask about <laughs> APS. We've got one final, um, we've got fun wine, one final uh, audio clip to play. Okay. Right. <laughs> is there any introduction you want to make to this one? No, I mean, I just really, because like I said, I was listening back to the older shows, and I, I, although I started my film photography journey in 2012, I think it was, I listened to the FPP right from the beginning, and, and the thing that I've always loved about Mike and, and the show is that right from the very beginning, it it felt like Mike, like the the the, the wisdom and the knowledge that you brought to, it, even if you didn't know about the stuff, you always brought a really grounded grounded approach to it, and I always felt like. You just knew what you were talking about, even when you didn't know what you were talking about. And and this clip I found, I think, is one of the most amazingly prescient, thoughtful things. And it really resonated with me. Um, do you play the clip, Paul? OK, let's just uh, <laughs> let's find out why this particular clip resonates with Graham. Show, show number one. This is show, show number one. one. Oh. You know, as long as I've been shooting uh, film photography, I only learned about and I don't know how this can be. It's sort of like how could I love music? rock and roll music so long and not know who Scott Walker is. Yeah. It's the same thing. How can I not know, Dwayne, what Sunny 16 was? <laughs> it's true. And years later, we still have no idea what that thing is. <laughs> yeah. That loads to my phone once a week, but I think it's a virus. Like... <laughs> <laughs> 
Coitus virus. All right, then, final, final question. And um, several people asked it before. Several people WhatsApped me about it. It was that strong. And several people have mentioned it in the comments. Present situation, assuming that has moved on, when is the FPP next coming to the UK? Because I have had people reminiscing about 2012 in the comments section while we talked. Is that on the cards at all? It's absolutely on the cards. And I already have a yes from John Fideli, a yes from Matt Marash. Uh, clearly, it's not happening in 2020 due to the situation. Uh, uh, but I would say if we start thinking about it seriously now, it could definitely happen next year. And Paul, really, it's it. I hate to put it all on Darren Riley's shoulder because in the past he has been the organizer, but you're analog Wonderland now. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so I, it's on you, baby. Darren, to get Darren. Okay. <laughs> Darren, who I think as well, I've seen, I've seen comments. Okay, now that's fine. Um, so just a couple of clarifying questions. What time of year would you like, and do you want Graham to be there? <laughs> no, Graham should absolutely be there because okay. he knows more about the FPP than I do. <laughs> that is true. He can answer any difficult questions at episodes one to seven. Um, perfect. All right, then. So I'm going to take that on my to-do list. Order... Um, D96 and um, pick up on when we could do I think because I think there's definitely scope for if you guys come over like something in London like whether it's around a show or something there is a lot of people who would be super super excited Ben Reynolds actually has just volunteered to run a Kickstarter for it oh my goodness wow I mean he didn't technically volunteer but he wrote it so that's <laughs> um, no so in fact Jeremy North also said we should we should do this Oh, fantastic. And Darren Riley's here. Does this mean... Hang on, I'm going to put this up. Does this mean I can just get drunk and not worry about anything? Woohoo. No. No, Darren, sorry. You're still, you've still got to get into the airport and collect their passports and everything like that. So, uh, well, it, like it used to be... Both years, 2011 and 2012, uh, Lomography London was the base of operations. So we oh, would... <laughs> awkward. <laughs> Have you heard about <laughs> that store less exists now? But that's fine. That's fine. The Lomography guys are still in the UK with the office. It's just the store didn't quite survive the last 12 months. But we will we will find something around there. In fact, um, the photographer's gallery is right around the corner. Um, and Parallax isn't too far away. Bright rooms. That's fine. We will find a London base for... Everyone go to Paul's house. Or my house, which isn't quite like Yeah, sure, we can start there. That's fine. Okay, then. It would be dreamlike, wouldn't it? it to get, a, get together? I, I honestly, it would be, honestly, it would be real. The, the, the number of questions about cine film was definitely the most, but the passion for when is the FPP UK roadshow happening was, was the most. So anyway, we've overrun quite a bit. So thank you so much for all of your time, Mike. Greatly appreciate oh, it as ever. My pleasure. Graham. Um, Shane, you got managed to find the darling, but it's been nice to have you here as well. <laughs> Thank you for your work on the audio clips. I, I, I'm not going to ask you how long you've spent <laughs> to back episodes, but that is outstanding. Um, thanks to everyone who's, who's joined in. As I say, I will go through uh, the comments tomorrow and randomly pick somebody for some of those amazing um, films as, as, as a prize. And on that note, um, Mike, any final thoughts, words of wisdom? Yes, yes. Can you please ask Lomography about 126 film? <laughs> we'll spam, well, we'll all have a couple more drinks and then spam them on Twitter. Brilliant. Graham, any last words of wisdom? Uh, my only request is, Mike, in your show full of awesome sound effects, please, for the amazing Leslie, who we like to call Leslie Laserbeams on our podcast, please can have some laser beam uh, sound effects, please, for the amazing Leslie Laserbeams. And the rest <laughs> of the Thank you so much, everyone. Can you last more than
Counting. 